Father, I thank you that as we've sung and as your word tells us with great clarity and great assurance that you do love us, that you've shown that to us through your son Jesus and his, um, his death on the cross and, and in your pouring out of the Holy Spirit upon us. Thank you that you are present to us by your spirit. I thank you, God, for your word that you've spoken through. And I pray that as we dive into the scriptures together, that um, that your voice would come through, um, that we would all be attentive to what you're saying, God. I thank you in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. All right. So I'm going to read our reading this morning, but... To sort of set the stage, we're, we're leaping back into our series uh, on this, this kind of grand story of God, um, beginning, middle, and end. And we've been in the book of Genesis, and uh, two weeks ago, Mitch Atkins spoke on uh, Abraham, or Abraham as he was called at the time, and the call that God gave to Abraham to, to get up leave his father's house and go into the land that uh, God was going to show him. And Mitch talked to us about how this call was a summons to take a step of faith. And wasn't it awesome to hear someone preach that, who you know is doing exactly that. Literally, he was about to head back to Thailand, leaving his kids with the grandparents so that Mitch and Ging could... um, begin a fresh work that they're doing as missionaries in Thailand. Well, we're skipping now to chapter 15 of Genesis. So if you want to read along to me, we're going from um, chapter 15, verses 1 to 6. So, after these things, the word of the Lord came to Abraham in a vision. And just so you know, I might get confused and sometimes say Abraham and sometimes say Abraham. It's the same person. Next week we'll look at the change of his name, but just bear with me. The word of the Lord came to Abraham in a vision. Do not be afraid, Abraham. I am your shield. Your reward shall be very great. But Abraham said, O Lord God, what will you give me? For I continue childless, and the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus. And Abraham said, You have and Abraham said, You have given me no offspring, and so a slave born in my house is to be my heir. But the word of the Lord came to him This man shall not be your heir. No one but your very own issue shall be your heir. And he brought him outside and said, Look toward heaven and count the stars, if you are able to count them. Then he said to him, So shall your descendants be. And he, that's Abraham, believed the Lord, and the Lord reckoned it to him as righteousness. I'm sure you've looked up at a starry sky on a clear night. Perhaps outside of the city where there's not so much light pollution. And you've felt that sense of wonder. 
wonder at something far bigger than your little human brain can contain. And something more than your human brain can explain. That sense of wonder that things could be so magnificent and so unreachable. I wonder what you did with that sense of wonder. Did you linger on it? Wonder a little longer? Or did you move on quickly and sort of go back to more practical things? I wonder where that wonder comes from. Most of our lives revolve around things that don't produce that sense of wonder. Most of our lives revolve around things that we basically have a sense of control over. Our own decisions, our actions, the daily things of eating and speaking and relating to people. How you conduct yourself at work. And in the city especially, aren't we surrounded by things that are man-made or human-made, constructed by people. Our lives revolve around things that come from the work of human hands. Uh, Cars, buildings, roads. Increasingly, as well, I've bemoaned this already this year, as our lives are mediated through these human-made, constructed little screens, and we, we live our lives through them. These are all wonderful things, I'll say, of human invention. And the fact that humans are so inventive and creative and innovative, I think, brings glory to God. Praise God that we are in his image, and we're able to make and construct and invent. But I wonder if sometimes these things, these these great things that we can accomplish, leave us with the impression that we are in control of, and to some extent, create our own lives. We can interpret our achievements as humanity sort of in the wrong way and it can lull us into a sense that we're the boss, we're in charge, we're the ones who make things happen. But my experience of sitting out under the stars or looking up at the mountains or spending time in a, in a forest being at the beach, these things remind us that the world is far, far bigger and far wilder than we could have made and created. It is not within our power to make the world. And we can do a great deal of good and and a great deal of invention within it. But we did not make it. Of course, we can try to capture them and explain them and sort of wrangle them or even destroy them, these, these things of the world. 
or we can try to explain them and sort of explain them away. There's nothing really wonderful about stars. They're just giant balls of gas trillions of light years away, and that's the extent of it. Any idea that those things point to a greater transcendent reality, that's sort of superstition that belongs in the Bronze Age. But for my money, science cannot fully explain why it is we have this sense of wonder and beauty in the world. This immense wonder at the magnitude of things and the strange longing even that looking up at the stars produces within us, that that sense of grandeur that has led peoples around the world to, to give names to the stars that are the names of gods and angels. Well, I think that an encounter with God is a bit like the encounter of wonder under the stars that I'm trying to describe to you. Encountering God and some of the songs that we've sung draw this out, I think. Uh, it is more wonderful and more magnificent and greater than we could possibly imagine. Because when we encounter God, we encounter a person that we could not have made up. We encounter someone that we do not stand on an equal footing with in a natural sense. We encounter the one who gives us Meaning, who gives us our life? We did not create the we did not create God, just as we did not create the stars. But there's another element of this that always strikes me when I look up at the stars, and especially for me when I'm walking through the bush, maybe up on Perongia or um, over on Tiaroha. I have this sense of wonder, of majesty and, and magnitude. But then at the same time, I have a sense of belonging. These stars up here are so high and so far and so great, and yet I belong beneath them. Have you felt that? I know for my wife Ainsley, she loves that moment when she steps out of the car at the beach. And I think she has a sense of wonder at this awesome, uncontrollable thing, but also a sense of homecoming, a sense that this is where I belong. And I've talked with others too. I know that Josh, who's not here this morning, I think he feels that in, in the mountains, he's of good Austrian stock, and so he looks up at, at the mountains, the snow-capped peaks, and I think there's a sense of wonder and awe and majesty, but also belonging. I'm home now. It's as if in this passage, this encounter that Abraham has with the voice of God is sort of imaged by the encounter that we have with the stars. Because that's what it's like when we encounter God. 
There is majesty, there is awe, there can even be a sense of trembling and fear. And yet, if we're encountering God, we also can know that we're being welcomed home. Because he is our source. He is the one from whom all things come and to whom all things will return. So our desire for him and his majesty and his greatness is also a desire to be welcomed home. Today's passage starts this way. Abraham was in his tent and he heard the voice of God in the night. Do not be afraid, Abraham. I am your shield. Your reward shall be very great. It bears remembering that the voice who is speaking to Abraham is the same voice that several chapters earlier said, let there be lights in the sky. The one who hung the stars up there is the one who is calling to Abraham. Abraham didn't quite believe it. He said, oh Lord, what will you give me? For I continue childless. And the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus. And you have given me no offspring, and so a slave born in my house is to be my heir. God knew Abraham's name and knew the condition of heart. He knew his heart. He knew that Abraham had no particular hope. So God had said, Abraham should anticipate a reward, and Abraham's response was, but, 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 I, I don't have an heir. How often do we do that? When someone says something positive, when someone says, this is the good thing you can anticipate, how often do our minds take us to the negative and, and say, oh, but not re- that's not really, that's not really going to be for me. And we focus on the the things that cut against that promise of hope. So the voice of God said to Abraham, come outside and look up at the stars. And it doesn't say so here, but I imagine Abraham having that wonderful moment. That sense of awe and wonder, and yet to have been called by name. Majesty and intimacy, magnificence and belonging. The hope that God shows Abraham is descendants more numerous than the stars. He says, this man shall not be your heir, but uh, no one but your very own issue shall be your heir. Look toward heaven and count the stars, if you're able to count them. Then he said, so shall your descendants be. At the personal level, Abraham hadn't had any children. And his prospects at a ripe old age were not looking good. 
I'm sure there was for him a sense of grief and disappointment at never having had a son or a daughter. And in his culture, as there, was, as there can be for ours too, there may also have been a great deal of social indignity or shame or embarrassment that he hadn't been blessed with children. And there was grief not only for never having had a child, but there was grief that in some sense his legacy, his name would not carry on. His name would end with him. So the hope that God offered him was deeply personal. Because it was the restoration of this man Abraham's sense of worth and dignity and, the fu- and future, even at his old age. He probably thought that he'd pretty much done his dash and there was nothing more for him to contribute to the world, nothing more he could do to make a name for himself. But God was telling him there's a different story going on here. And if we broaden the scope a little bit out from just the personal, in the, scre- in the, in the scheme of the grand narrative of God, we know that God's grand purpose in calling Abraham and showing him those stars was that through his descendants, the whole world would be blessed. Through him would come the people of Israel. And through Israel would come God incarnate, Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And through Jesus Christ, the Son of God, countless descendants. Do any of you remember that song about Father Abraham having many sons? Can you remember it? Should we sing it together? Yeah? Let's do it. Father Abraham had many sons, and many sons had Father Abraham. Woo! I am one of them, and so are you. So let's just praise the Lord. All right, that's enough. Yeah, we'll do it. Yeah. <coughs> I remember singing that song when I was a teenager, right? And I had this thought to myself. I thought, what? I'm probably not descended from Abraham, you know? He's like in the Middle East and my parents are English, you know? I'm not his descendant, right? I probably thought I was quite clever thinking that too. Well, in the New Testament, Abraham is a very important figure, Especially for the Apostle Paul. He says in Romans chapter 9 verses 7 and 8, Not all of Abraham's children are his true descendants. But it is through Isaac that descendants shall be named for you. This means that it is not the children of the flesh who are the children of God. But the children of the promise are counted as descendants. So in the faith, we can sing that song because you and I, having put our faith in Christ, are Abraham's descendants, whether or not there is a direct genetic line from here back to there. The last verse in our passage, 
verse 6 is very important. Because it's talking about Abraham's response to what God says to him and shows him in the stars above. Verse 6 says, And Abraham believed the Lord, and the Lord reckoned it to him as righteousness. This is a very important verse for the Apostle Paul. If you want to read him talk about it at length, go into the book of Romans, particularly chapter 4, but read, read, read the whole thing. Abraham's response is the same response that we are called to in faith when we encounter God through Jesus Christ. And it's the same response that we are called to have to sustain us beyond that fleeting moment of wonder under the stars. I cherish and I celebrate and I love those moments where it sort of rushes upon you. Our response really matters. So Paul wrote in Galatians 3, 18 to 25. Against all hope, Abraham in hope believed and so became the father of many nations, just as it had been said to him. So shall your offspring be. Without weakening his faith, he faced the fact that his body was as good as dead, since he was about a hundred years old, and that Sarah's womb was also dead. Yet he did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God, but was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God, being fully persuaded that God had power to do what he had promised. This is why it was credited to him as righteousness. The words it was credited to him were not written for him alone, but also for us, to whom God will credit righteousness for us who believe in him, who raised Jesus our Lord from the dead. He was delivered over to death for our sins and was raised to life for our justification. The hope and the promise that is ultimately offered to us is what we celebrated last week at Easter. And what was made possible by the death and the resurrection of Jesus. It's new life in Christ. Eternal life in Christ. And I want to encourage you, even just for a moment of wonder, to think that the next time you look up at the stars. But let's take it a little bit further even. Because Abraham was promised that his descendants would be numbered the number of the stars. I should have looked it up. I don't know how many stars we currently think there are. Near infinite, right? I want to put it to you that you too are an heir to the promise to have descendants like the stars of heaven. Whether you have children, biological children or not. 
Because each one of us has been given this task to go and to make disciples of the nations. We are blessed with faith and the hope of new life, eternal resurrected life, to be a blessing. And the primary way that we're called to be a blessing is to make disciples, is to preach the gospel. Another part of this chapter of Galatians, which I didn't write down, it says that the scripture in Genesis effectively preached the gospel in advance by telling us that it's through faith that Abraham was reckoned righteous. So through faith, we are reckoned righteous. We become like stars. And in his letter to the Philippians, Paul says, you guys better stop grumbling in order that you might shine like stars in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation. Our role is to shine like stars as Abraham's descendants and also to populate the heavens, the sky, with as many more shining brightly Christ-like stars as we possibly can. And that all happens through faith. I'm going to close there, and I'm going to pray. Father, you have given us great hope and promise in Jesus. You've given us new life. You have restored what we perhaps uh, had lost, not only in our sense of And not only in our sinfulness that you've restored us and reckoned us righteous, but also, God, that if we do not have hope, you have restored hope within us. For ourselves, but also for our children and their children. And for all those lives that we might touch as followers of Jesus. All those people that may yet be primed and ready to become Um, sons and daughters of God. Thank you, God, that you have given us this great identity and this great task and this great privilege. I pray that this church, Hillcrest Baptist, that each individual person would shine like a star in their place, in their family, in their work. And that God, your goodness, your glory, your wonder, your magnificence would radiate through each one. That many others might come to know you and come to see you. And that they might have the the opportunity to wonder at your glory. And then to give you the glory that you're due. And themselves become like stars. I praise you, God, and thank you. In the awesome name of Jesus. Amen.